Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is up? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast. It's me, Alex Fast, filling in for Nick Pollock as he doesn't have any teeth anymore. That's right. Nick lost all of his teeth. He can't talk. Uh, no, Nick had something go on with a root canal. So he wanted me to fill in today, obviously wishing him a speedy recovery. Nick, if you're listening to this, stop. Go rest. We want you to rest and take care of yourself. You're in good hands, all right? We're going to review every single starting pitching performance from yesterday, April 23rd. And let's dive right in because we got a lot of guys to get into. We're going to start with Logan Allen, who goes six innings with one earned run, five hits, one walk, and eight Ks. He picked up 17 whips for a 33% CSW on 86 total pitches thrown. I'm in a way almost mad about this Logan Allen start. Pitching prospects rarely come up that immediately have success. Grayson Rodriguez this year, even Mason Miller wasn't able to go super long by no real faults of his own. Debuts are so tricky. You don't really know how they're going to handle the nerves and how many pitches they'll get and whether or not they'll be left to sort out their own mess when they get into one. None of that really happened with Logan Allen. What a beautiful debut yesterday. The four-seam command was there for him. He was really putting that pitch where he wanted to. It seemed he returned a 35% CSW, which is very good for a heater, thanks to nine whiffs. Secondaries were what you would come to expect. 60-grade splitter picked up five whiffs for Logan Allen. They were relatively well-commanded, though I think he elevated a bit too many of them relatively. The sweeper for Allen wasn't really there, but he didn't go to it too often. As of now, he's slated to get the Yankees next in Yankee Stadium, and while I'd rather see him starting in that Sox series, I'm actually willing to roll the dice against the Yankees. Next up is Eduardo Rodriguez. No decision against the Orioles, despite being perfect through the first, like, six and two-thirds or six and a third frame. He ends the day with seven innings pitched, no earned runs, one hit, no walks, six Ks, 16 whiffs with a 36% CSW over 95 pitches. That's now back-to-back dominant starts for Erod, and while the Orioles' offense has been a bit stagnant the past couple of days, it wasn't like Eduardo was getting away with anything. He commended his heaters really well, and while he's scheduled to he's scheduled to face up against the Mets in this next outing, sort of tempted to run with it here. A long time ago, we were all really excited when Erod got out of Fenway and landed in Detroit, and then a lot of weird personal issues mired his starts, and I think we've forgotten that he can go in these super dominant stretches. Luckily, his Mets start will be a late week, allowing you to kind of see whether or not you need it for your fantasy teams. Next up is Vince Velasquez. Seven innings pitched, no earned runs, two hits, two walks, 10 strikeouts. Picked up 15 total whiffs and a 33% CSW over 100 pitches. At this point, I think you have to add him. He could well be the season's first Vargas role, right? You just keep cooking with him until he has that one stinker. Because he's cooking right now with back-to-back good starts against the Rockies and Coors and now the Reds. He gets the Nationals up next, and he should be able to have success with the slider that he's just locating super well at the moment down at the bottom of the zone. I will say this, however, the Nats have the most lefties of any team he's had success against with five, you know, between pure lefties and switch hitters, five total. So this isn't necessarily a slam dunk for Vince Velasquez, but I think he's well worth the risk considering the slider location and the success he's been having at the moment. Next up is Kevin Gosman, seven innings pitched, zero earned runs, 
three hits, no walks, 11 Ks with 17 total whiffs, a 31% CSW on 103 pitches. So there's good news and there's bad news, right? The good news is that the line is exactly what you would want to see from Kevin Gosman, right? The bad, you know, we got the whiffs, um, we got the quality start, we got the win, all that stuff. The bad news is now we're talking a 92 mile an hour fastball, which falls below the threshold of what you would really like to see. You want 94, 93, 94. It's not a death knell, though, right? If anything, it's Gosman pitching a bit more like Bieber, right? As he usually does, and that he'll keep his heater low or over the plate so he can set up that splitter. Is 95 preferable? Of course. Yeah, it's definitely preferable. But does this mean he's someone you need to start looking to move in your leagues? No, not not at all. Next up, Max Freed, six and two thirds, no one runs, three hits, three walks, five Ks, just nine whiffs and 18% CSW, which is not great, obviously. Uh, but, you know, this offseason, I talked a lot about there was potential new, uh, there was a potential new K ceiling for Max Freed. That's not happened yet at all. But honestly, like, who cares? Right. The new K ceiling was the cherry on top for a pitcher who has now given up one earned run through his first 15 innings. So, yeah, he's not necessarily going to get you a lot of K's, but he's going to give you enough. He's going to keep your whip low. He's going to keep your ERA low. He's probably going to finish with a sub three. And even though you didn't get it yesterday, you're still going to get a good amount of uh, wins. Uh, and there still is the chance that the K's come up a bit. So, yeah, people might see the 18% CSW and be like, oh, man, I'm really worried here. But, no, I, I think he's going to be totally fine. Clark Schmidt goes five and two-thirds with no earned runs, three hits, one walk, eight Ks, and 11 whiffs. Schmidt is really interesting, right? He's likely burned a majority of people listening to this. He has the best four-seam and slider stuff plus of any pitcher on the Yankees, not named Garrett Cole. But he's yet to really be able to put it together. And yesterday, he put it together. Schmidt recorded 12 sweeper-called strikes, and that points to some really nice command for sure. And while there were a lot left over the heart of the plate, uh, the Blue Jays, by and large, didn't really know what to do with it. The thing is, Schmidt is going to get the Rangers in Texas in his next start, and they have the second-best WRC Plus in baseball and the fifth-best WOBA. I don't know if I'm taking the risk, but he gets Cleveland after that. And if he looks okay in that start versus Texas, that might be a really nice stream. Grayson Rodriguez, five innings pitch, no one runs, five hits, three walks, six Ks, just nine whiffs, 28% CSW, which is not terrible. He got through the first. He, he got through the first inning. Like, that's what we wanted to see, right? But it was the Tigers. I just tweeted because I was looking into it. The Tigers have a 209 batting average as a team coming into Monday's games. Nine points above the Mendoza line. There are four teams uh, with a, I think they have a 265 or 268 WOBA. There are four teams with higher batting averages uh, as a team than the Tigers have WOBA. It's not great. And guess what? Grayson Rodriguez is going to get those Tigers again in his next outing. By now, I would like to see Grayson Rodriguez dominating more than he is, but he isn't, and that's okay. He's young, right? hes I don't think he's even made like five starts, or maybe that was his fifth start, but it's not a lot of starts. The command is just not there yet, right? Like, the heaters are elevated every once in a while, but sometimes they're way too elevated. They're like kind of in the, the chase zone where you don't really want them to be. You want them a little bit down. The change-ups change seemingly start over start. I mean, there was one... At bat, and I think in the first inning where he threw his four seam and his changeup and his cutter and his slider in the first inning, maybe that's like a mentality thing, and he's okay showing all of his pitch types minus the curveball to Tigers hitters, but I don't think it is. He just hasn't clicked yet. He will at some point. It's frustrating, but you know it's okay. He's not. He's not getting hammered. 
Christian Javier, six innings pitched, one run, three hits, two walks, 10 Ks, 19 total whiffs for a 29% CSW. That breeze you felt yesterday was the collective exhale from every Christian Javier rosterer in the world. Struggled against the Pirates, but hey, I'm sorry, I meant the best team in baseball, uh, is what I meant to say, uh, before giving us a relatively good outing against Toronto. But he was yet to really dominate, despite facing off against weaker offenses to start the year. Yesterday, however, Christian Javier, you know, against arguably the most difficult offense he faced, he just pounded the zone with four-seamers. The Braves weren't able to do anything with it. Ten whiffs on the four-seamer, despite largely being center cut at slider location, definitely benefited from that four-seamer location. Really hope he can maintain this moving forward. Next up, we have Hunter Green. Six innings pitched, one and run, four hits, two walks, and six Ks with 19 whiffs and a 32% CSW. Tough to succeed against the best team in baseball in Pittsburgh. There it is, that joke again. Uh, Hunter Green didn't always elevate the way that we're used to seeing him do so, and I think that's a big reason why we saw 12 foul balls and 11 four-seamers put in play with just six whiffs overall. However, that lower four-seam location seemed to really positively impact his slider as it picked up 11 whiffs on the day. While Green may have given fantasy players more headaches than they'd like, he is primed for a heck of a matchup next week as he takes on Oakland in Oakland. He should truly feast there. Clayton Kershaw, six innings pitched, one earned run, three hits, one walk, and six Ks with 12 whiffs overall, 90 pitches, and a 36% CSW. There's so much flash nowadays, Strider and Hunter Green and Lodolo and Mason Miller and Logan Allen, the list goes on and on and on, but sometimes you just need to like take a step back and appreciate the greatness that is Clayton Kershaw. Yes, it's just 6Ks, but it's 6Ks from a guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer who has a career ERA of 248, just bananas. Speaking of some of the best pitchers in the planet, Jacob DeGrom, six innings, one earned run, three hits, no walks, 11Ks. 49% CSW over 80 pitches. It's like he saw McClanahan do it and was like, you know what, sit down. I mean, obviously, people he scared a lot of people to death with a potential wrist injury, and then he throws 80 pitches over six frames and gets a 49% CSW. He's the greatest pitcher on the planet. There's really not much more to say there. We have plenty more pitchers to break down, and we're going to do all of them right after this break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. And we are back with Bailey Ober, five and two thirds with one earned run, three hits, three walks, four Ks, eight whiffs, 26% CSW over 89 pitches. This was sadly just a spot start and what a good one it was. I mean, Nick always referred to him as Bailey Oberizzi as he follows the Jake Oberizzi blueprint of just pounding the top of the zone with four seamers. 
did a really good job of consistently finding the top of the zone. And when he gets a longer look, he's going to be worth a spot, in my opinion. I just don't know when that longer look is going to come. Hugh Darvish goes five and two-thirds with one run, two hits, five walks, five Ks, 11 whiffs, 27% CSW on 102 thrown. Lovely that all of you Darvish rosters can take a collective sigh as the reason he left the game didn't have anything to do with his hamstring per se, but more so the fact that he was just cramping. Not going to miss any starts as a result. If you combine the sweeper and the slider into one pitch, we're talking about a 44% slider usage, and that's what you want to be seeing from you Darvish. 42% CSW on the sweeper, 40% in the slider. Darvish is always going to tinker, which is what makes rostering him so fun, maddening, I don't know. But I think if he sticks with a slider first approach, he could be in for a really good season. Zach Eflin, five innings pitched, one earned run, three hits, no walks, four Ks with just five whiffs. 33% CSW, though, over 67 pitches. He returned against a struggling White Sox team, and Eflin got the W. Looked a little bit rusty as he was returning from the IL. In terms of approach, it was basically the Eflin that we've come to see so far. Sinkers and cutters, good amount of curveballs. Curious to see if we get any more of these reverse changeups he started throwing, but it's only been featured in one game. He's slated to go against the White Sox again in his next timeout, so I'm really curious to see if he ups up the uh, usage there. It's always difficult to face the same team twice, but I, I think he's going to be okay. Reed Detmers, five and two-thirds with two earned runs, seven hits, one walk, 6K, 22 whiffs, 37% CSW, and 90 pitches. Detmers must think he's getting paid by the slider because, oh my God, did he go to that pitch yesterday? 48 sliders for 53% total usage. The pitch picked up a whopping 14 whiffs, giving him a 35% CSW on the day. He actually spent a lot of time getting that slider high and tight, which is a little bit of a surprise, but speaks to the command of the pitch. I think he really did that on purpose. He's going to get the Brewers next in Milwaukee. If he can keep the slider command, we should be looking at another great performance. Corbin Burns, five innings, two earned runs, five hits, three walks, five Ks. 13 whiffs for a 34% CSW over 91. Burns' rosters continue to hold their breath. Allegedly, he had a minor pec strain, which speaks to why we are yet to really see him dominate day in and day out. It was still a start that was overall beneficial for your team, but there are steps forward needed here that Burns may not be able to take until he can get fully healthy. Speaking of steps forward, Ross Stripling, three and a third. Two run runs, six hits with one walk and just one strikeout. Three overall whiffs with a 31% CSW on 67 pitches. It's frustrating to watch Strip struggle, the changeup, the splitter, truly have a lead potential. I mean, the splitter graded as one of the pitches in all best pitches in all of baseball by both PLB and Stuff Plus, and the changeup is a top 10 changeup overall by those same metrics, but he hasn't been able to put it together. Maybe it's because it was a spot start with Wood on the IL. Maybe he just hasn't shaken the rust off yet. Either way, you should be figuring out what he's going through on your wire until we know he's going to be starting every fifth day and he can get into a legitimate rhythm. Jack Flaherty goes six innings with three earned runs, five hits, two walks, and nine Ks. 23 total whiffs for a 37% CSW on 104 thrown. If you held on to Flaherty, you certainly got rewarded, but that doesn't mean that we're out of the woods yet. Sitting about 93, uh, but he was... Um, he, Oh, sorry, like totally got lost for a second. He was sitting about 93, but he was in that most recent start, so there wasn't really too much of a, a change in terms of velo. He did return 10 slider whiffs for the second time this season, which is great, especially considering he had zero slider whiffs in his most recent start against Arizona. For Flaherty, the start is certainly cause for excitement, but considering he gets the Dodgers next, that excitement could be relatively short-lived. Zach Wheeler, six innings with three earned runs, three hits, three walks, and 11 Ks. 
Really nice to see Wheeler's first double-digit strikeout outing of the year, and even better to see him bounce back from a shaky start against the White Sox. The schedule gets really arduous moving forward, but Wheeler may have found his stride right on time. Patrick Corbin, six innings, three earned runs, seven hits, two walks, six Ks with 10 whiffs, 32% CSW on 96 pitches. A lot of people may look at this and look at the Pirates up next on his schedule and think he's a viable streamer, but I just don't know if I'm buying it. Nine slider whiffs is obviously very encouraging, as is the 38% CSW on the pitch, but I still don't think the sinker is really it for him. Back-to-back, mid-to-low 200 BABIP outings for Corbin. That's likely going to swing in the other way relatively soon. Brian Bellow goes four and two-thirds with three earned runs, five hits, two walks, three strikeouts, 12 whiffs with a 29% CSW on 82 thrown. The first start for Brian was sort of worth throwing out the window with the weather, the delays, and what have you. No excuses this time, though, and it still wasn't really that great. The stuff is there. It's easy to see that. He just hasn't been able to put it together yet. He's going to get another opportunity against the Guardians in his next outing, and I'm willing to take that chance. I'm not willing to take that chance with Dre Jameson, who goes one inning with three earned runs, three hits, three walks, and one strikeout. It's brutal. We're not starting him in cores. If he succeeds against the Nationals down the line and still lines up for Oakland at some point, maybe you can take the risk if you're desperate, but there's a lot of work to be done there. Lucas Giolito goes seven innings pitched with four earned runs, five hits, two walks, five strikeouts, 15 total whiffs, and just a 25% CSW. The good news is that this really wasn't that bad of a start for Giolito against the Rays. I think the four seamers and the sliders and the changeups were actually really well located for him, and while the Rays didn't really bite on the sliders... They're the best team in baseball, aside the Pirates, and that will change uh, with a lesser team, in my opinion, in terms of that slider uh, or getting swings and misses on the slider for Giolito. The problem is he doesn't face a lesser team next. He faces the Rays again, um, but I do think you can still start Giolito there because the upside is still there, and because it's later in the week, you can take a wait-and-see approach. Jordan Lyles goes six innings with four earned runs, four hits, one walk, and the five strikeouts, seven whiffs for a 22% CSW and 89 pitches. Um, the the third time through the order penalty bit Lyles considerably hard as he gave up back-to-back-to-back home runs to Ward, Trout, and Otani. Did not have his curveball in this outing at all, and everything else seemed rather center-cut. Still be willing to stream Lyles against weaker offenses, and luckily he gets one of them next in Minnesota, who are 22nd in Woba at like a 301 or something. Kyle Muller went five innings with four earned runs, seven hits, four walks, and three Ks. Just nine whiffs for a 20% CSW. There are moments during games where Muller puts it together with a four-seam and curveball, but those moments are few and far between, sadly. Rarely able to string together beneficial innings. It's not going to get you strikeouts. He could hurt your ERA. He could hurt your whip, and he is a virtual lock to not get you a win on the A's. Jesus Lizardo, four and a third, four earned runs, eight hits, one walk, and six Ks, 11 whiffs for a 27% CSW on 96 pitches. Four and a third, 96. We were licking our chops at the notion of Luzardo getting a two-start week against the Giants and the Guardians, and what happens? He gives you a total of eight and two-thirds with seven earned runs, 14 base hits, and 12 Ks. The velocity was down a little bit, which is something more to keep track of not necessarily concerning at the moment the location of the pitches wasn't really all that bad the hits he gave up were largely the sliders that he left over the plate and a few sinkers that were spotted relatively well he gets the cubs next and while people may think that's a walk in the park the cubs lead the national league in woba at the moment i'm still starting especially because it's in miami but i don't know if that's necessarily going to be a cakewalk tyler mcgill 
Four innings, four earned runs, six hits, one walk, two Ks for six total whiffs and 19% CSW. McGill reinvented himself this year with a different slider that gets a good amount more drop and a willingness to throw that slider in two strike counts a bit more, except he didn't do any of that last night. McGill went to the slider just eight times for some reason. It returned no called strikes and no whiffs. Instead, he went to the changeup a lot more, which was a strange choice. The curveball was more prominently featured as well, and that pitch also features a new movement profile, but still, he just couldn't get anything to click. Atlanta's on the wire. Atlanta's uh, next up, excuse me, so we should just kind of ignore him and look to see if he's putting it together in a couple starts. Jose Urania, three, three and two-thirds, four earned runs, three hits with four walks and zero Ks for a 19 CSW on five whiffs. This is just the line you're kind of expecting. He continues to have no fantasy relevance at the moment, and honestly, if I'm a Rockies fan, I would be furious that he was my best option to throw out there every five days. Marcus Stroman goes five innings with five earned runs, six hits, one walk, five Ks, seven whiffs into 27% CSW. Stroh had been cooking to start the year with four consecutive quality starts. He ran into the Dodgers offense that's been hitting the ball well, and you just tip your cap and move on to the two fantastic matchups he's slated to get in his next outings versus the Marlins and the Nationals. And lastly, we'll wrap with Chris Flexen, four innings, six earned runs, nine hits, three walks, and three Ks, uh, 24% TSW on nine whips. That's now 18 earned runs in Chris Flexen's last three starts against the Cubs, Brewers, and Cardinals. You have to figure that the leash for him is getting a little bit shorter and tighter with other pitchers in the Seattle system that have more upside. And heck, at this point, I wouldn't even mind a Tommy Malone start. That like might even be better. Um, all right, before we wrap up, we are going to get you the streamers for tomorrow, the 25th. Not going to do the 24th because this is coming out a little bit late because, again, Nick Pollock has no teeth anymore. But we're going to get to that right after this break. So looking at the starts here for the 25th of April on Tuesday, the auto starts. You can roll with Joe Ryan, Nestor Cortez, Charlie Morton against Miami. Drew Rasmussen gets Houston, but you're still going to start him. And then Logan Gilbert. The probable starts, Blake Snell. Want to see a little bit more efficiency. I'm curious to see if he can finally click with those breakers. He's a probable start against the Cubs. Same with Justin Steele. Mason Miller, exciting second start against the Angels. With Logan O'Hop, they lose. Logan O'Hop, gone from that lineup, sadly. They lose a little bit of... Oh, Poppy there. Um, sorry, I shouldn't make that joke. He's injured. I do feel bad for him. After Ward and Otani and uh, Trout kind of gets a little bit thin there. Brady Singer versus Arizona, followed by Griffin Canning versus Oakland. He's the streaming choice of the day. Then we have Peyton Battenfield. Curious to see what happens with that cutter against Colorado. Noah Syndergaard, Nick has as a probable start against Pittsburgh. I don't know if I'll be doing that. I might go questionable, but this is Nick, not me. Ryan Nelson versus Kansas City and Eric Lauer, Detroit. Questionable starts, we have Luis Garcia, Jose Barrios, Kyle Bradish versus Boston. That's a probable start for me, to be honest. Uh, then Martin Perez, Sean Manaya, Bailey Falter, Spencer Turnbull, Jose, uh, I think it's Budo, and Josiah Gray at the Mets in your do-not-starts. Mike Clevenger, Johan Oviedo. Obviously, he's been clicking, but it's against the Dodgers. I don't know. I'm also going to change and say that's a questionable start, followed by Corey Kluber. Jake Woodford and Ryan Feltner, Luke Weaver, and whoever might be starting in this last spot against Atlanta. I believe it's Brian Hoeing for the Marlins. Not quite sure. Um, all right. Well, it was so good to be back very briefly. Uh, it's good to be able to chat with you all about pitching. Uh, wishing Nick a very speedy recovery, but that's going to do it for this episode of the Plus Pitch Podcast. I'm Alex Vast, and we'll talk to you guys soon.